I wanted to have an adventurer that is based on my mobility and still able to kick ass. I was very, very aware of the trope, especially where rogues are concerned. There's like, tragic backstory, my parents were killed. I personally view stories as alive and living beings with agency. So I definitely view the characters that I create as alive in of their own right. And I'm just sort of working with them. Welcome to Characters Without Stories, a TTRPG podcast about the roads not yet traveled. I'm Star. If you play tabletop role-playing games, you probably have some back pocket characters. Characters who are just waiting for the right story. Every episode, I'll bring in a friend to tell me about their character and their approach to creating characters. This episode, I'm joined by Wesley McGee-Saxton. Wesley is a disabled queer performance artist and disability advocate based in Toronto, Canada the co-founder of Forge Ahead, A Party to Access, which is actually how I discovered you guys Having was through Facebook. Not mm-hmm. be in a Because I was a fan of your Facebook page. So I'm really excited to talk to you about your character. Is, is there really anything else you want to tell listeners about yourself? I'm a recent graduate of theater school, so I'm fairly fresh into the performing arts world and that kind of work. But I'm loving it so far. Another thing to add is I'm a non-binary person who uses they-them pronouns, and that does factor into my character creation, even if my characters themselves are not uh, non-binary. So tell me, Wesley, who are you bringing to the table today? So I am bringing Farthing to the table today. He is a character who I've had in my back pocket for a long time. You built Farthing for D&D 5e, correct? Yes, I built Farthing sort of with some homebrew shenanigans for D&D 5e, yeah. Why are they called Farthing? That's a really interesting story, and that's, uh, that's going to require me to delve into something a little, so just bear with me. Yeah, no problem. The initial idea for the character that is Farthing himself actually emerged way back in 2020 when I was doing a bunch of research for a performance project that I was doing. I was really interested in doing a sort of uh, almost a performance case study on uh, perceptions of disability right from the Roman Empire and uh, surrounding cultures up until modernity. And I sort of was required to condense that into a 12-minute performance piece. And (laughs) part of the uh, research I did in terms of figuring that out was I read a wonderful textbook on uh, disability in the Middle Ages and how uh, perceptions were, and that also encompassed, like for those of us that use 
mobility devices, I'm an electric wheelchair user, wheelchairs weren't quite a thing by the Middle Ages. They were first invented in the town of Bath in England, uh, like late 1500s, beginning of 1600s, but before that, folks who could not stand up on crutches had to use hand blocks or what's called hand trestles. So if you can imagine uh, carved blocks of wood that they would pull themselves along the ground using. So that piqued my interest big time. And then as part of that research, I encountered a ballad that was written in 1602 called The Cripple of Cornwall. And it was all about this swashbuckling highwayman that was a double below the knee amputee that uh, during the day would pretend to be a beggar crawling around on the floor and would scope out thievery targets and would come back at night and steal them. Or steal their money, rather. Um, and he did this for, I think the ballad said something like seven years before he got caught. <laughs> it goes into detail on what a skilled fighter he was, even on crutches, and how he mocked people for being unable to fight him and stuff like that. The second I read this ballad, I said, I, I need to make a character with this. So the, the inspiration for Farthing happened there. Um, he kind of stayed in my back pocket for a long time. I eventually settled on the name Farthing just because of the name of the older British currency. Um, and that just, that just seemed like it fit for me. That's kind of where the genesis for Farthing started was this wonderful historical excursion that I went on. I encountered this ballad and I said, okay, I need to do my own version of this. It's such an amazing story, this ballad. I love that you found this in your research. And it, I can see why it was inspiring, because it sounds like an amazing story. It was really something. And I'm so glad that I was able to use it in the performance project. It was super fun. This year, I had been really dealing with a lot of new realizations, given that I am finished my university degree and I'm trying to set up a support network and eventually move out on my own, out of my parents' home, and recognizing a lot of anxiety that comes from instances where I am not in my wheelchair and my mobility is more reduced. So having Farthing not be in a wheelchair and be a user of these hand trestle things is really helping my mental health because I'm able to sort of place my own fears about not being as mobile in my wheelchair, or not in my wheelchair rather, and sort of investigate those feelings through this character who is used to moving around without being tied to a wheelchair in the same way that a lot of my other characters that I've created are. It was very, very important for me that Farthing still remained disabled, but I did not want Farthing to use a wheelchair. So my compromise for that was to have them use these hand trestles, which were crafted by our DM to 
sort of work almost like two immovable rods. So that also leads up to some wonderful, like, magical shenanigans of sort of being able to hold yourself in place in the air if you have to. (laughs) You know, this started with a bit of research, and you brought your personal experience into it, and it sounded like you were kind of trying to work through some things personally that you wanted to kind of explore that. Would that be correct? Yeah, I mean, D&D has always been a vehicle for that for me. Um, Not saying that I'm using groups as therapy. If you need therapy, (laughs) definitely go to therapy. Therapy (laughs) is more important than D&D will ever be in some contexts. But um, the way I sort of find inspiration is I personally view stories as alive and living beings with agency. So I definitely view the characters that I create as alive in and of their own right. And I'm just sort of working with them to uh, help be a vehicle for them to come into existence. So Mm. my character creation process and my backstory creation process is very much a two-way street between myself and the character and the inspiration behind them and it is hugely about listening to uh listening to where the character wants to go just in terms of writing stories and writing characters i as an artist view them as all alive and requiring a partnership between the author of these stories and the story themselves to have the story come into full fruition That's a very beautiful way to put the process of creating a character. You've probably put a lot of thought into that being uh, a theater school graduate, I imagine. Well, let's just say that in my process for creating characters, I have a cheat sheet of like 25 questions I ask myself in character as an actor when I'm going to do a production that I also use as sort of base for creating characters. So I draw heavily on my training as an actor. For me, it's sort of taking some of that training and applying it to like a tabletop context. It's just drawing on some of that actor knowledge that I've been given. Yeah, yeah. Can you tell me kind of some basic information about your character, for example? How old are they? Um, What their sexuality would be, if you thought of that? Um, you know, their race, etc. Farthing is a high elf. They are 60 years old. They are a fighter rogue multi-class, which is a lot of fun. And what I really, really like about our current group that I'm playing with is like 95% of us are disabled in some way, shape, or form, whether that's physically or disabled by mental illness or otherwise. So including like elements of ableism into the campaign is something that the uh, table is okay with. So it's wonderful to like encounter NPCs across the campaign who expect elves to be like, you know, Tolkien's elves that are incredibly graceful and like a thousand times more dexterous than humans and then have an elf be disabled for once and... Mm -hmm still be like a full elf right so 
that that was really important for me is I kind of wanted to flip the script on what you would expect of a high elf and I definitely put that into uh, his backstory he was abandoned as a baby for his disability and was adopted by a master enchanter that eventually created the hand trestles for him. I think it's really interesting you talking about your game and talking about who you're playing with. I think there's a lot of debate about how much of our contemporary bias we should be bringing into our D&D games. And I know that there's there's a lot of nuance there, and it really depends on who you're playing with. But there are a lot of people who say, I, I'm Black. I don't want to deal with racism in my games. Whereas other people really want to explore that through gaming. Why is it that your table feels comfortable exploring that? Or why did you make that decision? The reason why we came to the conclusion that we'd be comfortable exploring, you know, that Farthing might get some very odd looks or very odd comments or very unfortunate circumstances because they're a disabled elf. We came to that conclusion because we we had talked about it as a table beforehand and kind of went through a checklist. Are, are we all okay with this happening? What are we not okay with? Where Where are the lines that we draw? How much of this do we want to include? Um, and it was big conversations around the table, and we just all acknowledged that this is something we're comfortable with. And as you said, a person of color might not want to deal with racism in D&D, and that's absolutely 100% fine. Are uh, other characters also disabled characters? One of the player characters is a dragonborn that primarily communicates through common sign language. Mm-hmm. If you're playing a disabled character, do you want your character to encounter mobility challenges and have to overcome them? Or do you want your world to feel accessible in a way that our contemporary world isn't? I'm going to say yes to both of those questions. <laughs> Yes to both, because in in this case, in Farthing being an idea of eventually having an opportunity to play a character that does not use a wheelchair, lots of the disabled characters that I have played use an electric wheelchair or some form of equivalent, because, you know, I wanted to have an adventurer that is based on my mobility and still able to kick ass. Um, but <laughs> Uh, in, in some instances, yeah, I want Farthing to have some trouble getting around places or get very fatigued if they have to do something incredibly strenuous. Um, but also acknowledging that Farthing has been using hand trestles for his entire life, so he would probably be much more skilled and, frankly, much more buff, even though his strength score is low. Um <laughs> Then I would be outside of my wheelchair, given that I'm, you know, in my wheelchair most of, the most of the time. But even though Farthing essentially has two immovable rods to move around with, I still want Farthing to have mobility problems. So Farthing is a multi-class character, correct? Yeah, he's my first multi-class. It's fun. 
And you're uh, starting out farthing and what level then in order to make the multi-class work? We're going to start out at, uh, at level three. So um, we st- we're starting out with uh, two levels in fighter and one level in rogue. And that will eventually uh, become an arcane archer fighter. Uh-huh. And this wonderful homebrew uh, rogue class that I found called the Fencer Archetype for a rogue specialization. Because within Farthing's hand trestles, he has two daggers hidden that he can draw and use. So I wanted to make Farthing have both long-range and close-range options. Mm-hmm. While capitalizing on the fact that his adoptive father was an enchanter, so I wanted to not make him a ranger or a magical class per se, but the arcane archer is the perfect blend of like, you know, a little a little bit of sprinkling of magic in there somewhere. I think it's poignant that Farthing is incorporating that arcane ability into his fighting style. I think that I could I could almost see that being a nod to or an honoring of his father. Is that the way you see it? Yeah, exactly, right? Because um Varling unfortunately lost his father when he was about the age equivalent of 13. Um because within the game world that my partner is creating for us to play in, the the sun has gone out. Mm. The sun has stopped shining, something has happened, and the entire society has shifted around that problem and sort of re-enveloped itself. People that have worshipped or still worship the sun are being persecuted because, like, what's the point of worshipping the sun if the sun has abandoned us? Farthing's father was discovered to be a continued sun worshipper and was executed for that. And then Farthing, being his son, was branded a traitor and banished from the island, or banished from the main city, rather, and had to live as an orphan for a while, which is where they got so good at playing the disability card to get their needs met. That's why their persuasion and deception is so high. That's why they steal from those that are very clearly well-off and can afford it. Because that's what they had to do to survive. And that's what a lot of people with disabilities historically had to do, was they had to turn to begging and thievery to survive. So even even in D&D, the common language of thieves can't. Um, that a lot of rogues know by default, if you choose that. That is based off of a language used by French beggars and thieves that was used to get around law enforcement in, in the Middle Ages. So I also wanted to incorporate the necessity for survival that way in Farthing's character and in their backstory, they eventually sort of became the de facto caretaker of this small group of other disabled orphans. And one day when they were searching for food, they went onto a ship that was in 
the docks at in the city they were in currently. Um, and while they were stealing food from the ship, the ship set sail and they were stuck on the ship for a long time. <laughs> and then that ship was eventually attacked by pirates. And the pirates almost killed Farthing, but Farthing realized that they were pirates that specifically were searching for artifacts made by his father. So rather than kill him, uh, they decided to take him on to their crew because he offered to help them look for things made by his father. So let's go a little bit into the backstory. We've already established that, you know, uh, Farthing was abandoned. Farthing had an adopted father. And when that father was executed, you were basically an accidental stowaway (laughs) who became an accidental pirate. (laughs) Yeah. So what was your relationship like with your father? What was your father's name? Uh, my father's name was Luthier, as in Luthier is the word for someone whose profession involves making instruments. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also just sounded very elvish, so I liked it. And that mm-hmm. is how that happened. Um, Farthing's relationship with his father is very interesting because I was very, very aware of the trope, especially where rogues are concerned. There's like... Tragic backstory, my parents were killed, but um, I, I'm aware that, like, Farthing's father did die eventually, but I wanted to specify that Farthing had an amazing relationship with his dad. Everything that his father makes, he emblazons with this, like, really stylized L, so it's mm-hmm. very easy to spot when his dad has made things, and it's sort of a quest, but partially grieving for Farthing to try to accumulate as many artifacts that his dad has made as possible, just so he can, like, find little pieces of his dad. That's really sweet. What does Farthing look like? Farthing has sandy blonde hair, is her typical, like, very tall, sort of Tolkien-esque elf, very high cheekbones. Their hair is very long and very braided with all these, like, bits and baubles and trinkets that they've picked up from their pirate career, sort of braided into their hair. Um, and the most important piece of which is a golden crow braided into their hair because that marks them as a crew member of the ship the golden crow they have blue eyes they are typically wearing a dark green adventures garb that they've purposely left a little roughed and scratched up a bit so they can really sell the the i'm just a poor beggar look mm-hmm They have the bow usually slung over their back, but it's hidden by a cloak. Um, And then they have these hand trestles, practically always in their hands, honestly. And the really interesting thing about their, their, the gear on their legs is they have special, like, reinforced knee padding. So that he can drag himself along without scuffing up his knees and stuff like that. 
Does Farthing have a particular voice? I initially wanted Farthing to have sort of a bit of a received pronunciation, a very sort of posh British accent. But coincidentally, just in, in my own career work, right now I've been working heavily on the Cockney English accent, like uh, working class London accent. So Farthing's accent is sort of morphing into a little bit of a blend of the two. I've, I've decided to kind of leave that because what it sort of brings out is like, I think the sort of posh received pronunciation, like what you would expect a typical elf to sound like, as it were, was Farthing's initial accent as it began. But with their time with the orphans and their pirate crew, it sort of developed into a little bit of Cockney mix. So um, they can sort of shift between those two accents, depending on what serves them as the need arises. In terms of acting as a beggar and a thief, it might be more convincing if they sound a little bit more Cockney, as opposed to if they're trying to play up the fact that they're like, hey, I'm, I'm gonna know how to do magical shit with my bow, and I'm the son of an enchanter. They might focus a little bit more on bringing out their uh, default accent, as it were. And this character choice was, I will admit, facilitated by the fact that Wesley was getting the two of those accents mixed up. <laughs> you know, when I was trying to, you know figure out a voice for Farthing, but I sat back and I thought to myself, okay, yes, there is a technical reason because I haven't worked on posh received pronunciation in a while, and I've been working on Cockney more recently, but there can also be a narrative reason for this. Let's, let's run with this. Mm -hmm. We talked a little bit about the build, but is there anything within that character build that is of particular interest? I am so very excited to potentially eventually have Farthing hanging off of something and trying to shoot their bow. <laughs> like, I'm very, very, very excited to navigate their different mobility in combat with the roguish features and the features of a fighter and action surges and all that. Like, I am very excited both mechanically for this character and how it will look narratively as well. Mm -hmm. You mentioned these mobility aids. Let's talk a little bit about uh, that actual item, because that's a, a homebrew item, correct? Yes, um, it is uh, homebrew. It essentially functions as two immovable rods. But there's also another feature of the item. Farthing can use a bonus action to sort of Clap them together and push a button on each of them, and they will kind of expand into like a little shooting platform that lets Farthing shoot from a floor position with more accuracy, and that gives him advantage on his next uh, arrow shot. Oh, that's cool. I like that mechanic. Yeah, that sort of incorporates shooting rests into. Farthing's character, which is something a lot of individuals, uh, archers with disabilities, use as they will use bow stands or shooting platforms or something like that. So I wanted to include that for him. 
Yeah, interesting. Farthing. Do you think money can buy happiness? Well, I mean, sort of. But really, like, money definitely would help with certain things. Food would be nice. Not having to scrounge for scraps, maybe. But at the same time, I have seen folks with quite a lot of money that looks like they have uh, sticks up their asses. So, honestly, give me enough to be comfortable and adventure, but I don't need a lot, I suppose. Thank you so much, Wesley, for joining me and for sharing Farthing with us. Thank you. This has been great. Yeah, it's so much fun. How can people find you? And do you have any projects you'd like to talk about? So for most of my D&D related shenanigans, uh, you can find me as the co-founder of Forge Ahead, a party to access. Uh, we have Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all under a party to access. And we also have uh, a website that you can find as well. And in terms of uh, projects I wanted to bump coming up, we're starting a Patreon and we have uh, first four goals listed. Uh, one of our first goals is to create a patron-only Discord server that will be moderated by folks in the disability community. And we really want to have that as a space for folks to be able to come and share their characters with disabilities, share ideas that they have for DMs that follow our pages. If something disability-related comes up in-game and you're not quite sure how to handle it, uh, that could be a space to... You know, ask the community, get some responses, ha get help uh, working through that. That's our first goal. And then our second goal is to release uh, what we're calling access cards of, I believe it's a first bundle of five characters that we've released on Forge Ahead. And the access cards that we're creating are based off of an invention by Matt Colville, which is uh, a way for folks to bring NPC characters into their game or player characters into their game without having to, you know, do a lot of character rolling and stuff or pick a lot of spells because a lot of the stuff we're creating at the Forge is to help combat DM burnout, especially because for folks with disabilities, like my co-founder has ADHD and sometimes reading books like the Player's Handbook or going through massive lists of spells can be really challenging. Uh, the third goal that we have is this wonderful, wonderful idea that is mainly designed by my co-founder, who has a big sports background. Uh, we are planning on creating an accessible sports board game called Access Ball. We are sort of creating a hybrid between the Cortex system and D&D 5e for that game. It could be an in-game sport, like an in-campaign sport, if you wanted it to include uh, like a tournament arc or something. Or it can also just be a standalone game. And then the uh, last big goal I wanted to mention is we have ideas for a project that we are calling the Disability Scene. We want to invite folks with disabilities to come onto that project and play like a 20-minute, 30-minute, like one-on-one -on -one or one-on-two D&D uh, 5e or Cortex adventure where uh, certain elements of being a disabled character are highlighted. And like 
if you were to come up against this puzzle or this combat scenario, how would you handle it as a disabled character? Uh, we wanted to sort of give folks snapshots of how some of the stuff we're discussing in theory would be put to practice. So that's our fourth big goal. And then if we can hit those four goals, we have much bigger projects in the works. Yeah, it sounds like you have a lot of interesting projects. And I, I really hope for you guys that you are able to get the patronage you need to make all of those happen. I, I think it would enrich the tabletop community. Thank you so much. That's so kind of you. You can find me on TikTok at StarMamaC. You can also listen on YouTube. Just search for Characters Without Stories. Please like, subscribe, rate, review, and share with your friends. Every little bit helps. I'm currently accepting submissions, so if you'd like to share your character, email me at characterswithoutstories at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and may all your characters find their stories.